As we come to the Word this morning, I want to begin just by saying, again saying thank you. We had a, uh, a tremendous time yesterday as the people of God, as we seek to shine the light of Jesus uh, down at Military Avenue. Military Avenue is very much like a sister church to uh, Cornerstone. Uh, we come from the same source. And Wait, does Military Avenue come from Ward? Is that right? Do they? Anyway, we belong to, together in the same family and just had a tremendous time ministering uh, there at Military Avenue, one of the poorest zip codes in the United States, a really hard-hit area uh, in Detroit, and yet what a blessing it is to be able to go and minister there. We had over 120 families from Cornerstone that went to minister. Uh, we gave away over 170 food boxes and turkeys and food, and the, the, the gospel was preached, and it's good to see uh, Randy Brown and his, his lovely wife, Barb. So I'll say thank you for that. Just a reminder that that's what we're here to do. That's what the gospel is about. The gospel is about going out and sharing the good news of who Jesus is in both word and deed. If you were there, just thank you so much for participating in that. And so this morning, as we continue our time in the Word, we're continuing a sermon series. Uh, we've been on uh, through Advent uh, entitled Unexpected Hope, where we're looking at different places in Scripture where a message is being delivered by an angelic messenger, basically every time by the angel Gabriel. Last week when Pastor Brian, what a wonderful message by Brian last week. Last week Pastor Brian doesn't say the angel's name who came to Joseph, but uh, put money on Gabriel? You know, I don't know. Could be, could be something. You know, there's obviously many, many angels. But each time the angel comes to deliver a message, it's a message of hope. And yet, at the same time, quite unexpected. And I believe the same thing for us this morning and in this Christmas season. The Lord God wants to meet you right where you are, and He wants to give you a message of hope. Although at times, the message that He delivers can be quite unexpected. So our mor this morning, as we last week were looking at Joseph, this morning we'll be looking at an angel coming to deliver a message of hope quite unexpected to a young virgin whose name is Mary. So this comes in the reading of the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1, verse, starting in verse 26. If you please stand as we read together. If you're new to Cornerstone, we stand together in honor of the Word of God and its reading. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and, he shall, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, how will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age, has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, 
I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Though the grass withers and the flower fades, the word of our Lord remains forever. Please be seated. We pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word to us. We thank you that we are a people and you are a God who reveals yourself and allow us to receive who you are. We pray this morning that you'll be present, that our eyes would be opened, our ears and our hearts, that we might see, hear, and understand. Turn and be healed. We thank you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this morning's message is entitled, God's Rescue Operation. That what is being revealed through Scripture, and here specifically to Mary, is the revelation of the faithfulness of God, that God is a God who fulfills His promise and comes Himself to rescue His people and to rescue His creation from its bondage to sin, death, evil, and corruption. The Bible is the story of God's rescue operation. The Bible is not a story about a God who shows up to help man help himself. I've come to give you a manual of how you can figure this out on your own. The story of the Scriptures is not to teach us to live a life of self-reliance, where we depend only on ourselves, but we are instructed and shown that who we are is to be dependent totally on God. It's not like we're drowning. By the way, humanity is drowning. It's not like God says, hey, you know, I see you're drowning out there. Uh, Let me put up a video that's a, a, a teach you how to swim. The gospel is Jesus gets into the water with us. He puts his arm around us and takes us out of the water. This idea that humanity can fix itself is as old as Adam and Eve. And what we see throughout Scripture is man cannot fix himself. Man is helpless to deliver himself. This, this last week, I, uh, uh, my, my six-year-old at, at school, um, he, he got a little, uh, must have been a Christmas party or something, a little, a little toy. You, you remember these toys? He has a little paddle and a ball with a string, and you try to hit it like this. Who can ever do that? These things are impossible. Anyway, and then the little kids' version are like triply impossible. So here you are giving a six-year-old an impossible toy. They do this, they can't even do it once anyway, which is fine. So he's playing with it at home, right? Of course, can't make it work at all, neither can I. No, I don't think anybody can on the planet can make that thing work. But when he's playing with it, it broke. And the ball disconnected from the string. And so he's looking at it. And he gives it to me, he says, Daddy, can you fix this? I can't fix that. Can anybody fix that? Can you put that ball back on that string? I don't know. You have to send it back to the manufacturer, you know? The point is, is humanity is kind of like that ball. You can't figure it out, and once it's broken, you cannot fix it. And so God comes to bring his rescue operation. And here in this message from Gabriel to Mary, we have a picture of the complete salvation from the complete God for us. Because we worship a God who is one, but also three. And salvation for humanity and for all of creation is brought to us by the complete God as each person of the Trinity participates in our salvation. And we have a bit of a picture of that even here 
in the words of Gabriel, to a young betrothed virgin named Mary. And what we see is that salvation from the triune God is from the Father, through the Son, and by the Spirit. It's from the Father, through the Son, and by the Spirit. And we're going to walk through this even in this little passage from Gabriel that we see this at work here. Salvation is from the Father. God is the initiator of salvation. He initiates, we receive. He is the one who enters in in order to facilitate what we cannot do. He is the one who initiates. And what we see here is that Gabriel comes uh, to Mary and he says specifically, look, I am being sent. The salvation is from God and I'm being sent to you. The initiation is on the part of the Father who's sending Gabriel to Mary to announce salvation. And salvation itself is initiated as God the Father sends God the Son. And that's exactly how Jesus understood it. Jesus, when he's explaining what he's doing, and the nature of the signs of his miracles says, the works that the Father has given me to accomplish, the very works that I'm doing bear witness about me. What? That the Father has sent me. The initiator of salvation is God the Father. Even as the apostles understood this, as they spent time with Jesus, they understood that the initiator is God the Father who sends God the Son. John, in the epistle of 1 John chapter 4, says that we have seen and testify that the Father has sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. For God so loved the world that He sent, that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have everlasting life. God did not send His Son into the world to condemn it, but in order that the world might be saved through Him. Because salvation is from the Father, but it is through the Son. As He sends His Son, Jesus, into the world to be its salvation. Jesus is your salvation because He was sent by His Father. And here, as Gabriel comes to Mary, he begins to unpack for her who this Son is, who will be the salvation of the world. And he says to her, first off, that this child will one, grow up within her womb to be a son, and his name will be Jesus. What we see here is that Jesus, the Savior of the world, who is the Son of God, is also a human being. He was conceived in the womb of a young betrothed virgin, a human young woman and was born a human being. It was not that he seemed like he was human, that he was just sort of playing along like he was a human being, but was really only God. No, he's 100% man. He assumes all of our nature. And yet at the same time, what is his name to be called? His name is to be called Yeshua. Yeshua means God saves. Not only is he fully man, he's also fully God. When the angel comes to Matthew, 
He tells Matthew, as we see this in the Gospel of, I'm sorry, he doesn't come to Matthew. He comes to Joseph in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 1. They, Gabriel tells Joseph, you'll name his name Jesus. But he also then quotes from Isaiah that his name will be Emmanuel, which means God with us. And so this Savior, this Son, is 100% fully man and 100% fully God. If you can understand that, come and talk to me afterwards. But we believe it by faith. What is impossible with man is possible with God. The angel also goes on to say that not only is this 100% man, 100% God, but also he will be great and called the Son of the Most High. He is called the Son of God, and He is great. There is no one greater ever born than Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the greatest man who ever lived. Jesus Christ is the most important man who ever lived, ever in the history of the world. He's the greatest man who will ever live. All of history turns on the hinge of the life of Jesus Christ. I mean, a question this morning, how great is Jesus in your life? Is G- I mean, I'm, just to be honest, think about it. Is Jesus the most important person in your life? Because sometimes Jesus can get crowded out by a lot of other things. Is Jesus the greatest in your life? Or have other things taken his place as being the greatest? Oh, Jesus is good. I like Jesus. No, no, no. Is Jesus the greatest person? in your life this morning. He will be called great and the Son of the Most High. And then he says, and the Lord will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. You see, this son is the fulfillment of the promises that God had made throughout salvation history. This son, Jesus, is the fulfillment of the promises that were made to Adam and Eve that there would be a seed of the woman who would crush the head of the serpent. This is the fulfillment of the promises made to Abraham that there would be one of his seed that would be the blessing to the nations. This is the fulfillment to David that there would be a seed from his line that God would be called his son that would sit on his throne and reign over a kingdom that will last forever. And that is Jesus, who is the king over everything and of his kingdom. There is no end. And we are citizens of his kingdom this morning if we are in Christ. For those who have ears to hear, Jesus and his kingdom is the stone made without hands that crushes the statue of Nebuchadnezzar in Daniel chapter 2 in his dream. Remember that dream as a statue with a head of gold, chest of silver, and then a trunk of bronze, legs of iron, and then at the bottom mixed with clay, and then there is a stone made without hands that comes and crushes it. And that becomes a mountain that grows to be the highest of the mountains and will fill the whole earth. That in that kingdom is Jesus Christ. Everything that you see, every kingdom of man will pass away, including the kingdom that we live in here, will pass away. There is a kingdom that will not, and we are citizens of that kingdom. Do you see yourself and your primary belonging to the kingdom of God? Look not to the things that are seen. 
look to the things that are unseen because the things that are seen are transitory, but the things that are unseen are eternal. The kingdom of God will never end. Give your allegiance to King Jesus today. Amen. Amen. To Jesus. So salvation is from the Father, it's through the Son, and lastly, by the Spirit. By the Spirit. And we see that as Gabriel tells Mary that, yes, she will be uh, with child. And of course, she very naturally asks, well, how is this going to work? I mean, last I checked, it takes two. And I don't, I've never been with a man, so how can I ever, how can I ever be with child? And the angel Gabriel says, you will have a child, but when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, and therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. You see, the Holy Spirit, the breath of God, the Ruach of God, the Holy Spirit, who is a person. Sometimes we need to remember that about the Holy Spirit. Something we can remember, God the Father is a, a person of the Godhead. We have the Son who's the person of the Godhead. The Holy Spirit is a divine person. And the person of the Holy Spirit, as we see in Scripture, is that which brings life. As the Holy Spirit overshadows Mary, He brings life into her womb as He overshadows her. Very similar to the language all the way back in the beginning of creation where there is these chaotic waters, and then in the midst of the waters comes God's Spirit, and it hovers over the waters. And as the Spirit, the Ruach of God, hovers over the waters, life comes. I mean, what's the very next thing in Genesis chapter 3? Verse one, chapter 1, verse 3, the Lord spoke, let there be light. The thing about when you speak, this is very much the work of the Trinity. When you speak, someone has to do the speaking. There's someone has to initiate the words. And then there is the word itself. But if you have no breath, you have no word. And so even in there, in the act of creation, you have the speaking God, the word of God, and the breath of God all working together to bring the result of creation and life from nothing. And that is exactly how the Bible describes your salvation and my salvation, that just as the Holy Spirit comes upon Mary, so the Holy Spirit comes upon each one of us. Unless the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you are apart from Him, because what the Holy Spirit does is apply to you the finished work of Jesus. Jesus said on the cross, it's done. I have done it. It's completed. All righteousness is fulfilled in me. And the Spirit, that fully done work that now we can be accepted, which is called justification, we're accepted by God, is then placed upon us by the Spirit. And the language that's used by the Apostle Paul is the same language of creation. As he says in 2 Corinthians, that the God who said, let light shine out of darkness, that's Genesis chapter 1, verse 3. Let light shine out of darkness has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Salvation comes because you were once blind, but now you can see. And you can see, not because you followed a list of rules and did enough good things. He goes, oh, well, I've checked your list. It's, it's not like, you know, were you naughty or nice this year? You know, I, I'm checking over, you know, Elf on the Shelf. And, well, you know, I, I've seen this. You know, well, that's not how this works. 
Let light shine out of darkness as shown into our hearts that we might see. And who does this work? Paul tells us just a few verses earlier in 2 Corinthians chapter 3 that we all with unveiled faces behold the glory of the Lord and are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. Where does this come from? It comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. People who think, oh, no, 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 the Bible doesn't teach the Trinity. Yes, it does. This comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. The Spirit is the Lord. Jesus is the Lord. The Father is the Lord because they are one God in three persons, and yet that life is brought to us by the Spirit. And so as we contemplate, what does that mean for us? That you have an initiating God who initiates salvation for you, who sends His Son, who is the perfect sacrifice, the perfect righteousness to do everything that humanity could not do, and then dies in their place, and then is raised for the justification as the salvation is brought to you by the Holy Spirit, which you then receive. What does this mean for us today? One thing it means for us today is, one, you cannot earn any of this. You simply receive it. You receive it. Have you received it? Has the Holy Spirit come upon your soul and spoke light that you might see the glory of Christ? And all of us, because we are being transformed from one degree of glory to another, have further areas of darkness in our lives. All of us have sin areas in our lives. And there's an initiating God who wants to shine the light of His Son into every area of your life. He wants every part of you to belong to Him. And He wants all those dark corners of your soul to have light shown on them. Now, why does He want that? Why does He want that? He wants that because He loves you. And he knows that sin and darkness destroy us. Sin and darkness destroys you, just like it does me. And he doesn't want that. He wants you to have life and life to the full. And he says, fill in your blank, fill in your name. I want to shine my light in your life. I want every part of you, even that thing, you're like, not that part. Not that part. That part's too hard. No, 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 that part so that we can have the same response that Mary does. How does Mary respond? Let it be to me. Let it be to me. This is a prayer of simple, profound faith. Let it be to me. God this morning wants to shine the light of His Son by the power of His Spirit into every area of your life. And all he's looking for is a willingness on your part, a willingness to say, Lord, I'm tired of shutting this out. I want to shine this light here. You know that trauma you had growing up, that thing where you were abused growing up that you don't want to talk about and you don't want to deal with? God wants to shine the light of his spirit to bring healing to you. You know that, that sin that you don't tell anybody about, you don't want them to know anything about it? God knows already. Let it be to me according to your word. Shine the light of healing. You can be healed. 
The Holy Spirit is the presence of life. And so as we close, let's enter just into a moment of ministry and just allow in a moment of prayer for the Holy Spirit to bring that to mind for you. What is that area of life that here at Christmas, the sending Father, the salvation of the Son through the power of the Spirit goes, I want to bring that life to your life. So let's pray and ask the Lord to reveal that to us now. Gracious Heavenly Father, Son, and Spirit, we thank you that you have entered in. You didn't just leave us in the water drowning, but you jumped in. And you have placed your arms around us, and you are pulling us from the water, even as sometimes we kick and scream. But your love is greater than even our resistance. And we pray that even now in the quietness of our hearts, that you would show us where in our life, Lord, is the Holy Spirit saying, I want to shine my light there. I want my life to come there. There is that pain in the past. There's that lie that we can't get rid of. There's that lifestyle that we can't seem to break. And the Holy Spirit saying, I want to bring freedom to that. I want to bring light to that. Will you let me? And so now in the quietness of our heart, Holy Spirit, show us that. Reveal that to us now. Yes, that, Lord, yes, that. I know that hurts, but I yes, that. You don't want to look at that, but the Lord does. We thank you, Lord, that you want 100% of us because you love us, because you care for us, because you've redeemed us. You've called us by name. We are yours. Place your arm around us. Pull us from the water. And may that healing come into every area of our soul. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.